This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hello all, you're listening to the technology of Manawatu People's Radio and Manawatu Spotlight with your host Anne and today's guest Stuart Hubbard who is a technology team member at Palmerston North Library. So welcome Stuart. Good morning Anne. Right, so when Palmerston North Library was first established what technology was available? Okay, well we're going all the way back to 1879 there which is where a publicly funded library service commenced in uh, June 1879. So um, I can't really tell you too much about what was happening back then but it was a reading room space um, which was free for all members of the public to use but only members who paid a subscription fee were permitted to borrow books so quite different to the modern concept of a public library service. So basically it was just paper sort of magazines and books that were available uh, that was yes. the technology yep. of the no, day? No CD-ROMs back then, <laughs> no video cassettes or anything, no. So, um, and as you say, technology has progressed, etc. And some of the things that we have had in the past have now passed their use-by dates. So, what are uh, um, what technology did the library have that doesn't have now, and why? Okay, well, I first started working at the library in uh, November 1992. Back then, we were largely focused on. Um, physical materials so we still had um, a reference service where people could go and browse newspapers and such like um, and anybody could do that not just library members but the main bread and butter of the library was lending physical things like books and magazines and um, back then there was a, um, I think there might have been a small audiovisual collection. Uh, it was before the days of DVDs, um, but we did actually have vinyl records for loan. Yeah. Right, so, and the, and you don't know that they're going to make a comeback? Um, well, no, the vinyl records have already made a comeback. <laughs> we've got a, a vinyl record lending service uh, and we've been running that for a couple of years now. Oh, right, because yes. one, one thing tells you how often I go to the library, <laughs> well, certainly for that, because I've got my own vinyl records at home. But um, Yeah, we've got a sound and vision area on the mezzanine floor of the library, which is the um, entrance level if you're coming from the square. So it's certainly a lot different from what it used to be when I first came in 1984 to Palmerston North. So um, what uh, can you not get now that you used to be able to get? Well, some of the technologies that were pretty big back in the, um, you know, a couple of decades ago, which have now pretty much disappeared, are things like CD-ROMs. So that's um, the CD-ROMs were quite popular for people, who, especially who wanted to play games on their computer, but there were also reference titles like Microsoft and Carter, for instance, which was sort of like a, a popular home encyclopedia, but... Increasingly, we've moved away from those shiny little bits of plastic and so many of our resources now are available online, either in the library or to library members at home if they can 
produce a library barcode and a PIN number, they can log in and access those at home. And that includes streaming movie services like uh, Canopy and Beamer Film, which I use myself from time to time. And a lot of our magazines now, if, if you don't w- want to borrow them in physical form, um, you don't need to visit the library anymore. You can download apps which will allow you to read magazines on your um, tablet or phone or and do you have to be library members to do that? Uh, yes, you do. You do, Yes, right. although um, there are some people outside of um, Palmerston North, country members who are still able to use some library services. Right. So, um, And videos, of course, would have been something else, or I presume Depends you don't what have you mean those by anymore. Videos. Video cassettes are a thing of the past, but right. um, videos on um, DVD or Blu-ray format are very much still happening. A lot of libraries around the country have phased them out, because of the popularity of streaming services. Um, There are many of those, but Netflix is one of the big players. But however, um, I think in Palmerston North's population, there are still a significant number of people who don't have um, a a good internet connection, and so they still like the convenience of being able to visit the library and, um, and borrow a movie, which they can just slot in the machine and play. And we do have a good collection of um, foreign language movies as well, which are not so readily available on some streaming services. All right. So, um, and so what technology, chronologically, we started off with paper stuff, and we've still got lots of paper stuff, of course. Um, so what new technologies have been introduced over the years well, I had to talk to some of my colleagues about this because um, obviously the technology started to come in, modern technology started to come in a little bit before I started work at the library. But apparently back in the 1980s when you first visited the library, I don't know if, if you can remember the way that it worked, but I'm told that people presented their library card and then there was a slip of paper in the back of the book, a, a borrowing card, and the two would be put together and photographed on a machine. So this is before the advent of a modern computerised library system. And so a library staff member would have the delightful job of um, sitting in front of some sort of microfiche type machine, um, compare, you know, looking at due dates and things and making a list of people whose um, items were overdue and then letters would be mailed out to them advising them that um, they might want to bring their items back. So very time-consuming way of doing things that just wouldn't work now with the kind of volume of of issues that <laughs> we have. Yes. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, that people have been out of work now because the um, technology's changed. Uh, no, no. I think that people just sort of move to um, less menial jobs and ones which um, actually require a bit more skill. But um, the first computer system was introduced in the early 80s and I was told that was sort of based on um, a modified retail system. It was a sort of a, a, an NCR cash register system. And um, my colleague Elizabeth tells me that she used to drive the mobile library and this NCR cash register machine um, used so much power it needed its own bank of truck batteries. Oh dear. And um, <laughs> one of her jobs as a librarian was to top up the electrolyte in the truck batteries. So not kind of one of the jobs you think of it as a traditional library role. It's more normally done by a mechanic. <laughs> All right. Well, you have versatile library um, people. Right, yes. or librarians, I should say. Shall I continue on? Or? Yes, please. Yeah, yes, okay, so the, the first barcodes began to appear um, 
at some time in the 1980s, and the library staff operated a barcode printing machine, which was noisy and jammed often, so again, some mechanical abilities required. Um, but then, a, so those barcodes were used on a computerized system which matched the borrower barcode with the item barcode and calculated due dates. And the first modern library system, as we know, it was installed in 1989, and um, it was supplied by the company called Dynex, who are still in the market today, although they've merged with another company. So that was developed in um, in Utah um, by by um, library staff who are largely Mormons, I believe. And um, Palmerston North was the first customer of Dynex Incorporated. In New Zealand or, in, in, or totally? in New Zealand, in not New in Zealand, the world, right. no. No, but we're the first New Zealand site. And um, we converted the former men's toilets to a computer room. And um, <laughs> what what was called a mini mainframe computer is actually what we regard, we regard as um, a great big hulking beast by today's standard. It was sort of like um, made a similar noise and a similar heat level to um, a kind of industrial washing machine. And it had its own separate banks of hard disk drives which wobbled all over the floor and failed quite often. So you needed an air conditioner <laughs> running um, 24-7 just to sort of try and cope with the heat put out by this thing. And right. nowadays, um, you know, your average smartphone has probably got about the similar amount of computing power <laughs> well, and data storage capability as well, yeah. So uh, um, what else have we had since then? Um, well, I suppose we should talk about access to the internet because that's a very big thing. Of um, It's a very big part of what public libraries do today. Um, a lot of people come into the library not just to borrow books or magazines, but um, they want to access the internet. In some cases, it's they want to apply for a job or tidy up their CV and, and um they may be wanting to email people, maybe scan documents to email for job applications. Um, and in some cases, it's just entertainment. You know, people will be watching movies, and some of which are educational, some not. So is there a cost for that? No. Um, so uh, we originally, most public libraries in New Zealand did charge for the internet because it was sort of at that early stage where it wasn't really very clear whether there used to be the sort of like arbiter, the private good versus the public good. And um, I think when you're looking at it in very rigid terms, you could say, oh, the internet's all about the the private good. But really, um, for so many people now, the internet is the way that they get information. And so um, access to computers and the internet is, uh, is an important part of literacy. So literacy used to mean being able to read books on a printed page. Now Android. there's a different kind of, <laughs> you talk about digital yeah. literacy, and I think you're aware of what the public, uh, the, the library does there in terms of helping people with computers and such like. So mm. what sort of um, assistance is there for somebody who goes to the library and wants So can I just go and sit at a computer and do whatever I wanted, or do I have to yes. book in, or um, what do I do? No, this, it's not necessary to book in, but if you do know that you want specific help on, um, say you've just got a new e-book reader and you're wanting to download the library's e-books onto that e-book reader, but um, despite looking at the library webpage, you can't quite figure out how to do it. So you can 
book a time with a staff member. You can either do that in person or via the phone, uh, and we will you tell the staff member what you need help with, and we'll put aside. Um, I think it's usually hour-long sessions, and a staff member will be able to walk you through. Um, that particular thing you're wanting help with. And ideally, if you've got a laptop computer, you can bring your your computer or phone or tablet into the library and get help with that. So um, offhand, because I guess you don't ring it, um, do you know the library number? Uh, yes, the library number is, <laughs> um, is 06351 4100. So you may not get directly to a librarian, but you'll get through to a knowledgeable person who will be able to put you in touch with the right person. Right, so there are various, um, oh, what do you call them, um, not chat rooms, but various um, seg- sections of the library, so you, you know, you would have to ask specifically for technology person or Well, um, all you'd need to do is just to say, look, I, I need some, some help with, with a computer and I think that the... Oh, then they'll say, I th- yeah. all right, I'll put you through to Stuart or whoever. Yes, it probably won't be me so much nowadays. I sort of do work behind the scenes a little bit more. But hmm. Right, so um, technology, so we're talking about the internet. Um, what sort of things on the internet? You mentioned movies and um, what about emails and things? You can help people with that? And yes, yes, I think that's uh, one of the things we help people with quite a lot is um, is how to send an email or maybe go back through their emails and find one from a particular individual or company and uh, and printing is another thing we can do. We provide, um, at the moment, um, small amounts of printing are free at the library um, because we used to charge for printing, but at the moment with COVID and what have you, the community's struggling a little bit, so the um, city council who funds us decided it was okay to... Um, give away a certain amount of printing for free um, so to you, individuals. So if yeah. I wanted to come in and print something, would you actually want to know what I was printing? Well, we would be more interested in, in um, how many pages you were printing. Right. Um, the only kind of printing we do ask questions about is when we think it's copyrighted material. Oh, okay, but right. That's, that's another issue, yeah. Because you know, in other words, if we see somebody pick up a um, reference book and start photocopying it from beginning to end on our <laughs> machines, it's a bit of a no-no. Right. Not okay. just from our point of view, but for the publisher of that book. That's true, yes. So they have to either get it out of the library, but I guess a lot of them would be um, referenced, so they wouldn't be able to anyway, Well, increasingly we're trying to get away from the idea of reference books there, um that cannot leave the library. It's a bit of an outdated concept, and so now most people with an internet connection will be able to log into the library's um, portal with their barcode and PIN number and then there's a whole range of electronic resources they can access which includes a lot of reference materials such as Encyclopedia Britannica and various health and wellbeing databases and there's also a lot of um, online technical training available via a site called LinkedIn Learning. So when I wanted to find out a little bit more about computer networking, um, not so much necessarily for my immediate day-to-day job, but just for a bit of background information, I just um, logged in there and I was able to take courses from industry professionals that 
some some people would actually use those to work towards some sort of a qualification, but I'm not using it that way. Right. So a barcode and PIN. So that has to be set up somehow. Well, you've you've got to join the library, so you can start that process online from the comfort of your home or workplace. But to to actually pick up a library card, you need to visit one of our libraries, either the central library in the square, or our community libraries dotted around the city, Ashurst. Uh, Wapuni, Roslyn and um, Te Patiki Tiki at Highbury Way. We used to have a mobile library, but it's currently off the road um, due to social distancing regulations. And the um, and the PIN, so everybody has to have a PIN number that goes with their library card. Everybody right? who joins the library is given a PIN number when they join up. Um, whether they remember it or not is no, <laughs> well, up to that individual. I'm, I'm but particularly yes. asking because I'm not sure I even know mine. I do have a library card, of course. Oh, well, but we can <laughs> talk about that later. But, um, yes, yes, yes well, every, everybody's given a PIN number when they join. Yes, right. It's usually just four digits. Well, it's one of those things when you um, – you know, you use something all the time, you never use, need your PIN and, and yeah. uh, you, you forget. So well, your, your library account is effectively like a bank account. So um, just like a bank account, you, there's not any financial thing involved with it, but you do need to identify yourself because when you're accessing these library resources, the, the publishers want to make sure that only people who have paid for the resource via their rates or oh, what right. have you mm-hmm. get those resources. So effectively the service has been provided to citizens of Palmerston North. So yeah. um, children can join the library as well? They can, yes. There's no a lower age limit for children, but of course the parents take responsibility for items on the children's card. Right. And what can be borrowed? So you've got books and magaz- magazines. Can you borrow those? Oh, yes. Yeah, magazines, are, physical magazines are one-week loan, but a lot of people, which can be renewed, but a lot of people like myself are just finding the um, electronic magazines are easier now because there's, um, you can get them immediately with no waiting, and uh, that you can generally have those up for three weeks before they expire on your device and you've got to download them again. And what about movies and things? Can you get physical ones of those to borrow? Yes, yep. As I said, we've got both DVDs and Blu-ray discs, which can be borrowed from the um, sound and vision area on the main entry level of the library when you're coming from the square. But um, there is also there are also a lot of movies available on those two streaming platforms, um, Canopy and Beamer Film. And um, the, the way that I use those myself is I've just got the Canopy or Beamer, Beamer Film app on a tablet and um, I've signed that up with my library account and then I use a Chromecast just to send those to my larger TV screen. All right. Mm. Well, there's more technology. Um, so, so what is Chromecast if, if um, listeners don't know? Uh, well, it's not really technology which is specific to the library, but it's just something which a lot of people have at home. Um, it's really just a sort of like a device which turns a dumb TV into a smart TV. All right. However, even <laughs> if you've got a smart TV, you need to have most TVs that I've come across don't actually have native apps for Canopy or Beamer Film, so you can't run those directly off your TV. You just need a handheld device to get the movie started. Then you press a button and send it to your TV, and then your TV controls the stop, start, pause, or then control the movie on your TV screen, right. so it's nice and easy. So in the old days, you used to have microfiche 
things. Do you still we have still those? We still do, yes. So my colleagues up in the heritage team still um, have a large collection of microfilms and microfiches. So we've got four microfilm readers which not only allow you to view the microfilms but also to print from them as well. Oh, so right. they, they're used a lot by local history researchers and we've also got um, photographics, good high-quality photographic scanners up there for people who want to digitise photographs for their own benefit. And the other thing that was new that I've not actually tried is the 3D printing where you can actually make things out of a computer. Uh, yes, so that happens in, a, in an area called our library makerspace, and that's branded Blueprint. That is in what used to be the old public trust uh, building, which is at the front of the library, fronting onto the square. So that operates different, slightly different opening hours to the main library, but um, if people go to the library website, which is just www.citylibrary.pncc.govt.nz. Um, they, there's a section there called locations, and that tells you all of our branch libraries, um, and it also would have the opening hours for Blueprint. But it generally, um, Blueprint kicks into gear tomorrow on Wednesday in terms of public hours and runs through the weekend. Right. And there's three full-time staff I think it's three full-time. So least. is there a cost for that? Uh, there is a cost for consumables. So um, 3D printing is one of the uh, things that you mentioned. Uh, and for people to produce a 3D printed object, they first need a computer file. So every now and again you'll have somebody coming in, the badge on their car is broken, they want to, get to create a new one, and we'd say, well, yeah, we can certainly help you, but first we need an actual 3D model to right. load onto the computer to recreate that. Um, some things can be quite easily designed from scratch using 3D design programs, but there are quite a few other tools available there, including more slightly lower-tech things such as sewing machines. As, um, there's a group of people there who um, meet there regularly, I believe, and use sewing machines. Uh, there are other things like... Um, 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 people will, can um, actually produce... Um, uh, transfers to put on T-shirts um, and such like. Uh, what else? Well, I think there is. It used to be a badge making machine there. So if a, a band wanted to produce, produce um, badges to sell at their concerts, they could do that there. Um, but there's some more high tech machines such as um, 3D milling machines, which can produce items out of either wood or metal. Oh wow! Hmm. But we've got some highly skilled staff there. Yeah, who I can, could imagine um, you'd need to have highly skilled staff. Yes, um, so it's not always a case of people directly having their hands on on the equipment, but they definitely are made to feel as if they're part of the creative process. Mm. So, and is there any technology in the library that's exclusive to staff? Uh, yes, in a way. Um, so we've got. For instance, when we're placing into library loans, um, borrowing books for people from other libraries, uh, we would load, our staff would log on to an interlibrary loan service, which the public don't get their hands on. But there's also parts of our main library system which there's no public interface for. For instance, um, there, there is a serials module, a cataloguing module, and an acquisitions module, and they're used by staff who are um, ordering new library materials, receiving those and arranging payment and then um, preparing to have those um, items end up on the shelves. 
Right. I guess that's a good idea not to have the public being able to do that, otherwise you'd end up with all sorts well, of acquisitions. Yes, yes. The, the public could get thoroughly confused, I think. It's the, can, the interface can be confusing enough to the staff without having other people involved. Right. So um, we're almost out of time. We've got about three minutes left. So is there anything else technologically-wise that you can think of that you might want to mention? Um, well, yeah, I just mentioned too that um, – Back over 10 years ago, we joined a library consortium called Kotui. So when when I first uh, started working at the library, we were very much a standalone operation. Um, we were – all our resources were were local. The computer which hosted everything was, uh, was as I told you, in, in the library building, not maybe in the most <laughs> right. salubrious of surroundings. But then uh, later on, that main computer system moved into the city council computing room in the big civic administration building uh, on the square. And, um, and increasingly, city council IT staff were responsible for backing up our da- database and that sort of thing. Um, Things became more specialised. The skills required were more specialised. And initially, a, 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 a staff member such as myself was able to take care of most of those things. It was more of a generalist-type position. But um, as technologies become more specialised, things have changed. And the other thing that happened was we joined this library consortium um, so the, the main library database doesn't live in Palmerston North before uh, anymore. It's all hosted in a very large, secure data centre down in Christchurch. And rather than just working with our own catalogue records, the catalogue records of all the member libraries are, are put together into a pool. Um, and that is a little bit controversial in terms of the fact that the quality of the cataloguing um, dep- Theories, uh, yes. I think our library has always prided itself on the quality of our cataloging. But of course, some smaller libraries don't have quite such highly trained staff. Right. Hmm. And um, how long have you been interested in technology? Uh, Well, pretty much my whole life. Yes. When I decided to retrain um, as a librarian in the um, early nineties, a friend of mine who was a librarian told me that there was a bit of a growing area for people in libraries who had an interest in technology because it was it was a growing area. So I could have chosen to follow a path in more of the traditional IT industry and that probably would have been more financially lucrative but I think libraries are an interesting environment to work on because work in because you get your hands on a whole lot of different technologies. And you're also working with with the public too, which makes it interesting. Yes, and and there's nothing better than doing a job that involves um, interesting people and interesting work. You you don't want to go and be there, oh, work today. (laughs) No, so that's lovely to have you along, Stuart, and a bit enlightening. We didn't get to all the services, but we have covered some of those in prior programs. Um, So the library is a good place to be. If you need to know anything, um, just ring the library 06 351 4100 and uh, speak to somebody with your query. So thank you very much again, Stuart. Thank you, Anne. It's been a pleasure. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. 
Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.